0: Austin Found is sponsored by the LBJ Presidential Library. Listen to the library's new podcast With the Bark Off, conversations from the LBJ Presidential Library. Candid and revealing episodes will be added each week. Subscribe for free in your preferred podcast app. literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more.
1: Real people,
0: real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm JB Hager. I'm Michael Barnes. You know, we often bring up Waller Creek and Shoal Creek. We do. And because it's, it's a big part of our history and not always good. No, not always. And in 1915, April of 1915, it was really bad. And really it wasn't really the bad. last of the, the the bad episodes with these creeks, but that was a very historic flood. It was a giant flood and
1: the storms were north of the city and so filled up the canyons of Shoal Creek and and Waller Creek, so bad that they, so much stuff, all the houses and other things and, you know, railroad stuff that got down to the Colorado all merged into one big thing, you know, floating thing in the Colorado.
0: Yeah, from some of the accounts of it, it sounds like more of, what you've seen happen in other cities and countries where it, it's almost like tsunami-like. Right. Everything coming down at once, which yeah. we don't always see that. Everything kind of is usually more of a slow rise. Right. But right. those creeks, again, like you said, coming, you know, the storm coming from the north, just everything washing down.
1: Well, and what people don't think about, both of those creeks
0: have a huge uh, watershed
1: they come down out of hills, and they come down up out of highlands. That's a, what a flash flood comes from, is that. And there have been times in our history when those were much more destructive than the floods on the Colorado. And in fact, as many as 57 people may have died in this. Wow. And the the numbers range from the 30s to the 50s. So, Because
0: we did a similar thing when we talked to the tornadoes of 1922 and did great. the math on... 13, 14 people dying would have been the equivalent of a couple thousand people right, dying. Right. So, 57 people dying. And it, it, the, the, one of the sources says 57. Yeah, that's, that's a, would be massive on today's numbers. And more yeah. well, massive at that time. But who was Gladys McCarty Shearer? She luckily lived... Through the storm,
1: she was living uh, in the area right by Sixth Street, which was a, a small community that started as a freedom colony, an African American freedom colony after the emancipation. There, it was a, a mixed group of people living there, and she wrote down her memories, which scarred her for life. And it was just pandemonium: people yelling, people crying, people praying, everything washing
0: by you. That you know, it was just surreal. She described, I mean, h- homes, obviously, yeah. being washed down, people floating Floating down, by dead people. Animals, everything. And,
1: and luckily, they got to higher
0: ground and
1: found shelter in a rock house at uh, West Sixth and End Lamar, and then permanently settled higher up, even than that, in Old yeah. West Austin.
0: And it was just as bad at Waller Creek, oh, where absolutely. it hit 6th Street. That's near Sabine. Mm-hmm, near Sabine Street. You know, you forget, as you drive through across 6th Street all the time, uh, heading west, which is the only way you can go, you like you forget that that Waller Creek's right under there. Right underneath there. But everything kind of started stacking against the bridge. Yeah, and all there's the, an old the uh,
1: 19th century uh, stone bridge there that, that was stacking up debris behind it. And a lot of people live right on the creek in both cases. And, of course, all the creeks in around. And, you know, I just discovered one of the reasons why that was true and why it was often... The really poor people, the African-Americans, Latinos, also Anglos that were very poor. That was poor. my
0: next question. Who was living along these creeks? Like, it, it, they were people. I'm
1: reading this book right now that talks about freedom colonies and one of the reasons why the freed slaves would gather informally in those creek beds. It was unwanted land. I always thought, you know, they wanted to be near the water, a mm-hmm. water source like it was or something desirable. Yeah, but no, because it floods, it was mm. squatters' rights. They didn't need an, a formal deed to the land; they could just set up camp there on the creeks. Oddly enough, that still exists. Oh yes, yeah. if we it, want to talk about people experiencing homelessness, creeks are one of the top spots yeah. where where they gather.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of new Austinites don't know the, the trails that mm-hmm. you can go along, especially Shoal Creek. You, I right. mean, some of it's been wiped out over the years, and they've worked to rebuild it, but you can go from downtown way north oh, along the You can go practically all the way into Hayes County and practically all the
1: way to Williamson County. Wow, and, yeah. Uh,
0: when these creeks flooded into the Colorado, Congress Bridge... Not as high as it is today because <laughs> mm-hmm. that bridge was built. The one we have now was built in what 80 around no. there.
1: No, it was this bridge. It was this bridge.
0: It was this bridge. Yeah. Was
1: underwater um, or cut off? Uh, no, I mean, definitely you wouldn't want to go over it, but uh, it continued to flood over that bridge into the 30s. Wow. And that bridge, it was expanded. In the period that you were talking about. Okay. But it, I just did a story on it now. I can't remember when it was built. I think, uh, I'm not going to guess.
0: But what I'm referencing in the the story you wrote, uh, you've written a few in your life. (laughs) So I'll remind you that. South Austin? Yeah. South Austin got cut off. Always during floods. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why it was so slow to develop.
1: I mean, if you couldn't be assured to get to downtown either by ferry or by pontoon bridge or trestle bridge or uh, truss bridge you uh, were stuck basically anyway
0: during big floods yes now if you have to be trapped on one side one side or the other which do you choose Michael <laughs> South Austin <laughs> of Me too <laughs> me too. Where was Dam Boulevard because that's an old name
1: yes that is is now uh, Lake Austin Boulevard. It went to the dam, which was near where Tom Miller Dam is now, and that was the dam that was flooded out and destroyed in 1900, and partially rebuilt multiple times. But the... uh, And they're working on it right now, too. (laughs) They're always working on it. (laughs) Right, right? At least the area, if not the dam itself. But the dam was a very important engineering achievement, holding back the Colorado River, supposedly, but you know, within a less than a
0: decade it had washed away. Wow. Eleven bodies were found at Dyer's Bend. Right. Where would that have been?
1: On a Shoal Creek around a West 4th Street. If you walk up there, there's a big S in the kind of S-shaped bend in the creek there. It's beautifully landscaped now and all those people living in the towers around the See Home Project and all that all have this lovely walkway now.
0: Gentleman, Reagan B. Dickard had an account of it, and when he described what was going on, he said he heard gunshots mm-hmm. and then the chaos. Right. Was that a, an attempt to warn people? Because it, it happened at night, too, by right, the way. Right, right. And what he could see
1: from what little light there was, he was up in Old West Austin you know, or Baylor Street or up there. He could see down into the Shoal Creek Canyon. We're talking about he's probably up there... Uh, the other side of Lamar f- from uh, the tower. And he's up right up area. where people are very familiar with the graffiti park. Oh, that yeah, so would have been up there, there right up there. He would have yeah. been somewhere up there and he could see all the chaos going on all the way down to the Colorado River. He saw people in houses that just washed by. He saw all kinds of devastation. And then the next morning he got up and he tried to help and they found bodies and also, a lovely story, one woman who was married to a lawyer and lived on Pearl Street just opened up her bank account and started handing out money to the people who's had lost everything along Waller Creek and Shoal Creek, and he was her chauffeur, I think,
0: that day. Yeah, Pearl Street's uh, West Campus before you right. hit Lamar. Yeah, she donated $1,500 and she started handing it out, like literally just going out and handing it yeah, out, correct? In in money of that era, so that was... yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars in our—I did—I looked it up. Oh, you did! It was just over thirty-eight thousand dollars. That in today's money. She's a good reporter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning. That should have been in the original story. I should have had that in there. (laughs) And our mayor at the time—trivia here. Let's see how good. A.P. Woolridge, A.P. Woolridge,
1: the namesake for Woolridge Park, and also the man who is somewhat controversial these days. Because while he was the man the man who led the charge for a the dam uh, uh, improved school district parks, hygiene, all kinds of mm. things, his efforts also led to uh, segregation and the creation of the Negro district in, in nineteen twenty eight mm. uh, He wasn't mayor then there were things that were good about the city beautiful movement, which was a way of making cities you know, more livable Mm -hmm. paving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. You know, our first paving didn't come until the, you know, serious paving didn't come until the the 20th century.
0: Oh, they tried to fight that at one point.
1: I will tell you this (laughs) is that you had to pay for your own paving in front of your house. And so that's why during, especially the thirties, everything was a patchwork. Some historians have said, well, it shows where the city was interested in in serving people and, and not serving others. No, it was because you couldn't afford it. You know, wow. it was a luxury that you you couldn't afford, but you needed it for automobiles, and people were beginning to get automobiles right. in the early 20th century. But hmm.
0: but yeah, you could go. You know, dirt pavement, dirt pavement. <laughs> because of that ding on on Woolridge's name, mm-hmm. has, has there been any attempts to like unname that park or anything? No. I mean, he did a lot of good for the city, and that what what has happened. And that park, by the way, is off Tenth Street near the Capitol, just south. Yes, it's southwest of the just to the south of the Travis County Courthouse, uh,
1: and just to the north of the Austin History Center. But what is happening with that square is it's it's even earlier past is being remembered. It was a place of churches and African American churches, and there's been a lot of good work done in describing an earlier era there before all these buildings were built.
0: Austin Found is brought to you by the LBJ Presidential Library. More info at lbjlibrary.org. Well, and that's not the last of Shoal Creek disasters. It wasn't that long ago, really, unless you're listening to this and you're 12 years old, this will sound... <laughs> 1981. Right, the Memorial Day flood. Yeah. Really, really bad. And on Troll okay. Creek, yeah. They
1: tried to put in all these improvements on both creeks, and they all washed away in these big floods. And so more people died you know, Whole Foods went underwater. That
0: was the original Whole Foods location right right there, and Lewis Shanks was there. That's where you see the tavern still today. That was underwater. Yeah, and well, when you think about
1: it, it comes down out of, the creek comes down out of a rather narrow canyon with a grade, and then all of a sudden it, you know, there's a floodplain, and so it just spreads out. Mm -hmm. And so, people who don't know our creeks are always surprised by And all of a sudden they're underwater, you know, basically I just don't leave the house if we've got, you know, Mm -hmm. a major, major storm and flood warnings because it could be the bridge over our, over the East Bolden Creek on our block.
0: Mm -hmm. One of those big floods washed across it too. Oh, wow. Wow. I uh, owned a home off uh, Shoal Creek, which is such a desirable street. It's so beautiful. And I love it. I, I still wish I had stayed there. It was <laughs> a beautiful house, big backyard. But yeah. I remember, and they had done a lot of improvements before mm-hmm. I owned it on, on the creek flow. Right, There were some heavy rains where you just see it coming up, 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 and then into the yard, into the yard. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I buy this house? Why did I buy and they definitely have made major, major improvements to, uh, Absolutely. to they, how it flows. Uh,
1: you know, the city, after the eight, 1981 flood, put in ordinances about impervious cover, which means you can't put concrete all over your property because that just means the rainwater goes right across it and quicker into
0: the creeks. Well, that's the reason for it. I just
1: thought they were being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is environmentally sound improvements to the banks. Mm. You know mm-hmm. what 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 they did in Houston, where I grew up, is they just concreted in uh, most of the bios, and that's terrible because that uh, again it's makes pizza. the water go faster. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just becomes like a, a a shoot at Schlitterbahn, <laughs> and and of course, <laughs> every time there was a big flood, there were teenagers that thought they could. You know, canoe it or whatever, right. kayak
0: it, and they always die. <laughs> that happens a lot with Barton Creek. Mm-hmm. Now, people want to go kayak it uh, when it's and fun if, and if you're experienced and really know what you're doing, I get it. But yeah, there are a lot of inexperienced people. Yeah, who, and it just looks like, oh, that would be fun. No, it's <laughs> deadly. <laughs> I thought you would find this interesting, Michael. I dug up some footage from uh, news reports from the 1981 oh, flood. So listen to these characters. Businesses along North Lamar were among the hardest hit. The Henry Moore Subaru dealership was demolished, its cars tossed about like toys. The Lewis Shanks store filled with water and furniture floated out through the windows. Six feet, seven feet of water. It's everything's gone. Uh, We've had stuff floating out the doors.
1: Uh, floating down the street. Sof- had, sof- sofas floating down the street,
0: $1,700 sofa. <laughs> I mean, $1,700 sofas down there on 10th Street or 9th Street now. A 7-Eleven convenience store was also devastated. The store is just completely destroyed. I'm just glad nobody was hurt or anything. Total loss. There were reports of scattered looting and APD moved in to secure the area. In just four hours, over six inches of rain fell in Austin. Water was reported 30 feet deep in some areas. Two people who lived on this block, Carolyn Groves and her son Jeffrey, were swept away and drowned by the flood that came without warning. Other people were luckier, like Barbara Berry of 3913 Jefferson. <laughs> we're lucky to be alive. We were stranded on a rooftop <laughs> last night. So all of this just really <laughs> seems superfluous <laughs> to everything. These were my work. Wow, devastating footage. You can find that on YouTube if you search uh, 1981 Shoal Creek Flood. There's a part one and part two that's pretty interesting to watch. But you know what was interesting to me watching all of it, and of course we didn't have time for all that here, is all the people they talked to had a very different accent. <laughs> Whatever accent this was is is gone for the most part in Austin You don't today. hear it a lot. The old Austin accent. yeah. yeah. And
1: I hear it, and it, uh, my ears perk up right away. And there's one clue, and, and it's it's a variation on the Texas accent. One clue is when they call me, instead of Michael, they mm-hmm. call me Mockle. Hmm. Mockle. Mockle Barnes. And I go, wow, <laughs> did you grow up here? What <laughs> right, what elementary school did meeting, you go to? Right? Because
0: that's a very distinct pronunciation. <laughs> It's weird, because I've, I've had that conversation with a lot of people. As, as Austin has become more and more of a melting pot, mm. uh, I don't hear any hard accents. Of course, if I go outside of Texas, they mm. hear Oh, it's, a it's
1: in all of our voices. Yeah, yeah, you
0: can hear. We just don't. But I, I can
1: use it, too. I, I use it to get <laughs> things. Right. You know? And it just comes out when I'm road tripping or yeah. I'm staying out someplace in the country, and, and I go into a store, and I switch it back on without even thinking.
0: Right. People are intrigued by
1: it. Well, I, I, out in the country, I mean, that's the way, you know, they know that you belong. Now, our politicians all exaggerate that, or many of them do.
0: Oh, definitely. They just want to go for that. But that's that's to endear themselves to the rural vo- voter, right? right? absolutely. Absolutely. Mirroring is what they call that. Yes. You, you I do you do that a lot? I I do it, too. I I do it. it.
1: When I'm walking in an unfamiliar place or even in a familiar place, my body automatically mirrors the oncoming person because that means to them subconsciously not a danger, not a threat.
0: Yeah, I do it. My wife always calls me out on it because I just start talking like the person (laughs) I'm having a conversation with. Well, Anyway, I guess it's a a good thing. (laughs) I guess it's a good thing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Austin Found, and we do love getting your email. I'll read a quick one here from Evan Queenon. Sorry if I mispronounce your last name. Uh, It says, hi, I really enjoy your podcast and can't wait to hear more episodes. One thing I would like to hear about someday would be Guy Town. I heard a little bit about it in the Liberty Lunch days. Boy, people love to talk about Liberty Lunch. They love it, they love it. Even then, the area seemed sketchy at least to a person living in Allendale. (laughs) I also remember sarcastic comments about Austin deciding to build the new city hall where Guy Town used to be. Mm. Anyways, keep up the good work. Thanks, Evan. Guy Town. What a great place. It was
1: the red light district downtown, and it had an enormous number of shady businesses, it's where the warehouse district uh, is, although the warehouse district, Fourth uh, in Colorado, which is all yeah. changed, yeah, no, all of that is changing. Yeah. Like, there are hardly any warehouses left. Right. It was a, a semi-industrial kind of area, and you had lumber yards and all kinds of things, uh, breweries, uh, but it also became the steamy side of town. Which is where a lot of our our legislators ended up when they were in town. (laughs) (laughs) And the the person who wrote the book uh, on this that is, we have to get him on the show, Richard Mm Zalade, or Zalade, I'm sorry if I mispronounced his Mm -hmm. name, but he is a great storyteller if we can keep it clean.
0: I don't. Recall it being a red light district, but I do remember that being South Congress. Mm-hmm. I'm that was a, that was a later red light district. That was a later red light district, but by the time I was going down into the warehouse district, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was cool pubs and... Lots of parking. (laughs) Lots of free parking. And all, you know, everything was built in with, you know, you'd walk up and down the loading docks like you still do Mm -hmm. on 4th Street, right? You kind of go up and down and. Right. uh, Right. Pretty cool. And And, and, and not many of those warehouses. In a lot of American
1: cities, the place that was kind of like the port or the industrial area, uh, if it was made of brick, were, were rediscovered in the late 20th century as places to put cool quaint businesses almost any city you go to you're going to find that that was what the warehouse district became and that of course is changing again
0: well we welcome your comments again thanks Evan please send those to us at m. b-a-r-n-e-s, B-A-R-N-E-S at statesman.com or jhager h-a-g-e-r at statesman.com And subscribe to Think Texas if you love Austin history. Chances are you'll like
1: Texas history as well. Think Texas is a free weekly digital newsletter about Texas history. And you can subscribe to this free newsletter simply by texting the word Think Texas as one word to 33777. And you'll be immediately subscribed.
0: (laughs) And pick up your copies of Indelible Austin written by...
1: Michael Barnes.
0: There are three
1: (laughs) volumes and a proposed fourth volume, and they are collections of my best historical columns. You can order them right now from Book People. Book People is shipping them, uh, all three of the existing volumes.
0: Very good. You will want all three and buy them for friends and family, and the the story we just shared came from volume one. Great gifts. Very good gifts. (laughs) Very good Thanks for tuning in and also share review this podcast it will just help us grow pass it on on your socials that would be greatly appreciated happy travels